Aussie Tech Heads is brought to you by startnewcompany.com.au. Register your company fast, easy, and direct with ASIC. All documentation is provided and held in your account for downloading at any time. If you're an accountant or other professional, you're also able to brand all documents with your company name. Coming soon, ABN, TFN, and Trusts. Special discount for ATH listeners. At the cart, use ATH20 for a $20 discount. And athwebhosting.com.au. Servers operate on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and easy install of WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and I'm joined this week by Will Topkinson. Hey, guys, and welcome back to a semi-special episode of uh, Aussie Tech Heads. Uh, two reasons. One is it's episode 666, so, you know, make that of what you will. And secondly, we have a unusual pairing tonight. We have Joe with us tonight. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Um, Will, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, you're going to be getting called the wrong name all night. I don't know. This is going to... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's not a, not a usual pairing. Uh, Jason's decided to fly to America, and Glenn's decided he's still homeless or something. I don't know what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, Joe stepped up tonight and has decided to uh, to join us. Well, at least he's out there having a bit of fun. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it looks like it too. I've been watching his uh, some of his Facebook posts. He's been knocking, he's been joining himself over there, going to all sorts of tech places and getting tours, and so that should be interesting. So you'll have to excuse my sniffles. I'll try and minimise as much as I can. I am rather unhealthy tonight, but uh, we'll persevere. And see how we go. And for anybody who has um, who has seizures, there is a seizure warning on Joe's camera occasionally it's flickering so just be wary of that uh it's windows thing who knows it's <laughs> at, at this point who, who who would expect a tech show to actually know about tech so uh but yeah so you'll have to uh bear with us as we blunder through tonight's show because it's uh, one of those things you're used to working with somebody, you're used to doing something a certain way, and, and then you're not working with them, you're working with somebody else, and it's like, ah, help. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, mate? Um, well, over the last week, I've been uh, building a computer for a uh, friend of mine, Mechanic, and uh, that, that all worked out good. Um, been playing around with um, different type of um, uh, audio equipment and stuff like that. As in uh, old school stuff, or yeah, old school stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm into the old school amps and um, equalizers and and cassette decks. I've got a whole collection of them. Yeah, which I'm you know going to slowly slowly do a a video on each and every one of them. You know, just run through what they how they work, what they do, what they don't do, with a bit of specs on them, and things like that. I love the old school stuff. Um, I had a old actually, my, it was my grandma's. It was a big. I think they used to call them an entertainment cabinet or something. It had a record player at one end, a TV in the middle, and a radio at the other end, and it was all Valve and black and white. And unfortunately, that got destroyed before I got to it. But uh, yeah, I love old old tech. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I've got I've got one of those at the um, inside. Um, it's one of those old Pi PYE yep. stereos, and uh, it's got the inbuilt turntable with the lift up lid. Yeah. Um, the black and white TV and um, the radio in it with shortwave into, built into it. Yeah. And it's like, I would say, about 1,800 wide um, by about what, 600. And weighs about 12 tons. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember using that as a kid when I was uh, first getting into 
know, stereos and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, you know, yeah. They, and, and, um, there's something about the sound of the old valve systems that no digital system can ever recreate. Yeah, there's this really warm feeling about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it could be the radiant glow of all the tubes. I don't know, but something about it. So those are the days. There's actually a couple of guys um, I watch on, um, on YouTube who do restorations on the old stuff, um, which is... Really, like he he gets stuff that's been out in the middle of the desert for ten years and manages to get it working. Like it's amazing to watch. Yeah, I've seen some of those. They're really good. And then there's Techmoan, who you know just finds the most obscure bits of old hardware that you've ever seen in your life, and you know, like um, camcorders that run off audio cassette tapes and <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff. Did you see his latest one that he just put out? The one that had the telephone with the video? Yeah, on? the video conferencing one. Yeah, wasn't that a beauty? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, that was, in some respects, it was ahead of its time, but um, the irony about that is it was ahead of its time, but it's taken another 20 years to catch up. Like, they had the idea, but the technology hasn't been there. That's right. They, were, they needed to use, what, ISDN lines to run video uh, over dual it? ISDN. Like that. Had to be dual ISDN lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is just like... And now you got it on your hand. Everything works in your hand now. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's... it's Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? The processing power... Like, I was looking at the specs. I'm, I'm looking at getting a set-top box because I'm sick of having a computer doing... Now that I've got the NAS, I don't need the computer doing all that because the NAS handles everything else. I literally just need a set-top box. And I was looking at the specs on some of the set-top box and the $60 set-top boxes are like octa-core and 32 gig and you're like... That's just insane, you know. Like, that's just it's just such commonplace technology now that it's it's that's nothing. That's right. I mean, you know, and they come what, what uh, three, four gigs of RAM um, compared to you know the early days ones. Do you remember what was the the um the early day ones set top boxes used to buy? They were really big brands, and they were like eight hundred, nine hundred bucks. Oh, there was a few of them. There's Roku was a big one, and the, yeah, there was a few of them. Um, even the what the Telstra hub ripoff? The Telstra set top box was a ripoff of, I can't think now, something. No, there was this other one. I can't think of it yeah, now. It would have been the size of a mini VCR. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. I just can't think of it, the brand of it. It wasn't real popular here, but it was huge in the States. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, and if they were literally just just powerful enough to, well, even the early OnStar and Foxtel boxes, they were just powerful enough to decode the signal and turn it into video. That's like, that was the maximum thing they could do. And I'm this big to do it, you know, the, you know, and now to do that same stuff is just, yeah. You know, Have you come it. across any that's got a, um, uh, a TV antenna out, outlet on them? Uh, well, because of the digital TV now, basically anything, it, most of them have a USB port. And if they're running, uh, Android, there's digital TV apps on the Android. So you can plug a digital TV tuner into them and run them that way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Probably run one of those, um, what do they call those, um, HD run yeah. devices? Yeah, any, any of those sort of things. But it really depends on what you want to do because most of them, yeah, okay, they've got, well, the one I was looking at today was $89. It was um, 8 gig of RAM and 64 gig of ROM, uh, which I guess ROM is the wrong word now because it's not read-only memory, but anyway, storage. Um, but it, uh, you could put a external hard like it supported USB external hard drive, so you could have up to a like a three terabyte external hard drive on it. But it wasn't really designed as a recording 
thing. It's just literally for watching YouTube and watching video streams and stuff. So I don't really understand. You can use it for media playback, I suppose. But if it's on your network, then you're going to have access to your computer, which is going to have that on anyway. So I kind of don't understand where that fit in. Um, it seemed like a, re a double redundant. I mean, it's a marketing point, a selling point. And I get that. But it sort of just doesn't seem like something that would be useful. I can't think of a situation that you would do that. Um, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I would, I would say probably um, a scenario would be when you would uh, say you were going on a holiday and you wanted to bring um, your box with you and you wanted to bring a whole heap of movies for the kids to watch. Yeah, but you can have a tablet um, or you know you can do do, do do stuff like that with it. I guess you'd have a tablet or something now, though. You, you know, it's like yeah, true. You know, yeah, it's yeah, true. It's just it's sort of it's filling a market that doesn't really seem to exist. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's bizarre. But there's a lot yeah. of the... I've got an external hard drive cradle sitting over there that uh, has a built-in media player. Like, it, it, if you've got audio and video files, it's got HDMI direct output on the external hard drive. So it plays the media files directly off the external hard drive and plays them directly to a TV anyway. Yeah, I've seen those ones too. So, the only, the only thing, I've got a, a box here, and it's a, it's a fairly old box now. <laughs> um, and it's got both video uh, HDMI in and HDMI out. Yep. Right now, although at the time I bought it, I must have paid, oh, what was it, a couple hundred bucks for it, 250 bucks, something like that. And um, what I found is that, it, although it works good and all that, but now the firmware, they don't update anymore, right? So I've got a, a two, three-year-old box, which is probably just as good as you know, any device today, bar the, the RAM, right? Yeah. But it, you just don't really get a chance to use it because they haven't updated any of the firmware. It's still running... Um, still run an Android, what is it, 4 point something or other. Yeah, and that's the problem. They get to a certain point and you can't upgrade them because a lot of that hardware is not usable in the new uh, in the new software. So you really, use, you're either stuck with what you can do. You could always, um, you could always bootstrap it. You could put, you know, Clockwork Orange or put something on it that's, that's not a legit Android, but um, you usually run into hardware limitations, which is why they sort of get to that point and won't go any further. Yeah, well, <coughs> well what I do with it is I run my um, my Chromecast through it. Oh, yeah. Right, so I can record anything off the Chromecast because it'll record it. Whatever HDMI goes in, yep. you can record um, your, your Chromecast yep. um, movie or whatever it is that you're playing. Um, I use things like VCRs, uh, HDMI outputs, VCRs straight into this. Yep. It'll play it, and you can record it. So it's got its still its things. It's just I would have preferred it would have been updated so that I could update the software and run other things with it. Yeah, that's, but I mean, having said that, for the sake of you know, sixty or eighty bucks, whatever they are now, it's not really worth persevering with an old piece of hardware either to do that sort of thing because a new one that's ten times more powerful is you know <laughs> so cheap. That's right. So, yeah, that's you know, true. It's, it's just it's sort of there's that. I mean, with old, old tech, yeah, it's always worth playing with and having fun with and getting it to do stuff it's not supposed to do. But that's because it's it's old in a different way. Like, it's it's old to the point where it's it's re it's superseded so far that most people don't even know about it. Like, a lot of people don't even know what a CD is these days, let alone a v VCR or a tape, you know. So, real old tech is great, but sort of semi-modernish Chinese throwaway tech, it's literally that. Like, it's not that old that it's worth anything... And it's not really modern enough that it's worth keeping. It's kind of in that that dead zone in the middle. You know, I've got a cupboard full of it over there that I sort of 
I move around occasionally and look at it and go, and you just chuck it back in the cupboard because you sort of. But that's right, yeah. But I wouldn't be tossing them out though. Um, oh, no, that, all, all that old tech is, is starting to come up uh, in value now. You know, like there's a there's an old uh, Acer EPC, you know. Yeah, I've got one of those sitting somewhere. That I'm trying to get Android to run on, and for whatever reason, it'll boot off a USB if the USB's got any version of Windows on it, but as soon as I put a version of Linux on a USB, it won't boot. So I don't Have know. you tried installing Chrome? <laughs> yep. I've tried does it, does it install stuff. Chrome? No, it literally, if I have a, um, a thumb drive with any form of Linux on it, it literally won't boot. It just sits there at the pick yeah, a, pick yeah, but a if you try installing Chrome on Chromium. it. Or Chrome, the browser. Uh, Chrome OS. Yeah, the, Chromium, yeah. 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 That's the I mean, same thing. It's, it's a version of Linux. Oh, really? Yep. Android, Chromium, um, anything that's not Windows. Just literally, Windows boots perfectly and installs perfectly on a thumb drive. Anything else just does not want to know about it. I wonder it. why that is, though. But it's not even that it won't install. It won't pick up the thumb drive to install it. It won't see the thumb drive. It's bizarre. Um I don't know. I've got to spend a bit more time with it and, and see what's going on. But that's got a um, has that got a uh, a memory card slot? Yeah, it does. Maybe but, try and run it off the memory card slot. Uh, it doesn't work. The this thing got submerged a few years ago, and it was it's been in my dead hardware pile for about three or four years. And the, the other day, I just randomly plugged it in, and it came back up. But the Wi-Fi doesn't work. The SD slot doesn't work. Um, the battery doesn't work. So, but it's well, still... the one I've got is still a fully functioning one. I actually use it every now and then. Oh, it was until it got submerged. Yeah. <laughs> the the water they don't like being operating when they go underwater. Yeah, right, <laughs> obviously. I'm surprised it came back up to be. But, you know, some people do them up. You know, they put more RAM in them. They put SSDs in them. Yeah, this actually came with. Um, I think it's got two gig of RAM, which the Maxis board supports, and it's got a 64 gig SSD. In it. That's actually what it came with. It's one of the later. It's the last of the single core atoms before they switch to dual cores. Now I think the one I got is a bit more powerful. Now I think my one's got a, a, a quad core and it's got four gigs of RAM in it, so it's still fairly okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, once again, if you use them for their purpose, if you're using it for web browsing and writing documents and stuff, they're perfectly fine. You know. So. And, yeah. and you mentioned Orange. Was that some sort of other operating system that to put? Um, I've not heard of that one. Clockwork Orange. That's a mod. It's a uh, it's Android, but it's rooted so that you can install it on devices. that's not supposed yeah, to have let's it. See if I can do a Google search for that. What do uh, you call it? There's oh, uh, there's uh, I think it's Clockwork Orange. It's been a while since I've used it. Um, I can't. Uh, let me have a quick look here. See if I can find it quickly. Uh, this is uh orange uh yeah there's actually there's a few branches of it now it looks like that's not around but there's a few branches on that but yeah basically there's you know you can you can t basically root any android device and change the the software that's on it so okay. um but i haven't i haven't had a device i've had to do that for quite a while i used to do it all the time on the older devices They'd come with so many skins and overlays that it'd slow them down. So you'd you'd put a vanilla Android on it by rooting it and doing all that stuff. But the phones that are so powerful now, you just don't need to do that. That's right. You don't. Yeah, I, I don't even you know root my um my my phones anymore. <laughs> I used to do the the apples and and jailbreak them and 
and all sorts of things, but you don't you don't bother with that stuff anymore. Not really, not unless you're trying. You know, unless you have a specific reason to do it, it's not something you really do anymore. Uh, it was big a couple of years ago. It was a massive thing to do, and everybody was doing it. But yeah, it's sort of. <laughs> anyway, um, so I should get on with the stories. Do you have a story, sir? I do. Um, I was looking today, and I found I came across this. Um, story about Microsoft's uh, Android phone. Uh, they call it the Surface Duo. And uh, apparently um, the Surface Duo, it's a flip. Uh, it flips uh, and it folds and it occasionally locks up and crashes as well, apparently. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a Microsoft product if it didn't. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, Microsoft uh, apparently says here that Microsoft has another Android uh, self-branded phone. Uh, the Surface Duo, which was announced a year ago, um, before it planned to release to the market, it was released. Uh, it was seen in the wild at, at the moment. Uh, a Twitter user by the name of Israel Rodriguez spotted a person <coughs> with a prototype uh, device on a Vancouver subway, and he did a spy video of it, and uh, he put it up on YouTube. So um, I've got the link here, which you can then check out in the in the show notes if anyone wants to see it. Or you can just search for Israel Rodriguez in uh, YouTube, and it shows you uh, a good portion of the video. It shows the phone being used, um, and it's, you see it slowing down, and uh, becomes unresponsive at times. Um, then you'll see that about a minute into the video, you'll see that it locks up, and when it uses some sort of a an app. So um, besides the device locking up and crashing. Um, you get to see how the phone looks like. You know, it folds. It's basically like your standard, you know, Apple phone or your uh, Samsung phone, whatever. That's the one. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. That's and then it, it it folds up and um, and it you can uh, fold it into single screen. Um, it folds into two screens. Um, it looks you know like a book type setup. Um, when you're all done, you just close it up. Uh, the two screens fold together, and um, put it away. And it's and on the outside. It's just a looks like it appears to be a metal exterior. Um, well, the only information that they have on this particular phone is that it's 5.6 inches in display. Uh, so they say that it's going to be released around about what was it the holidays of 2020. Yeah, which holidays? <laughs> yeah, 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's typical of Microsoft, though. They Probably. probably yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's these holidays or Christmas holidays. I'd, I'd say Christmas holidays. By the time they release it, it'll be outdated. I mean, it's, you know, this thing's been in development for way over 12 months now, and it, it's not, it's, it's a true split screen. Like, it's not a foldable screen or anything. It's, it's actually two separate screens, which... I have to admit, isn't necessarily a bad thing in some regards. It tends to uh, be more resilient, but you've still got ribbon cables, you've still got flex cables, you've still got all this stuff happening inside. I, I really think we're still several years off having a reliable foldable phone. Well, that's true. But have you seen the new Samsung Fold phone? I've seen um, some media tests on it. I haven't actually. Yeah, apparently some guys have been looking at it, and uh, even the. Um the mark uh, the Motorola Razor phone they they sort of like fold in the middle like the old Motorola Razor does yeah but the Samsung one um, 
apparently where it folds where the hinge is in the center you can feel under the finger when you're touching a screen that there's a little bit of an indentation yeah so um i mean i don't know i'm not too keen on that sort of thing um so, it, 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 more complexity you add the more far points you add it's just that simple like um you know like if you're I mean, we're only getting to the point now where you can have a phone for two or three years without destroying the case and the screening and, you know what I mean? Like, even something simple like the charge ports, you know, once a phone hits two or three years old, generally the charge ports stop failing just because they fill up with crap and you've tried to put the USB cable in the wrong way 47,000 times and, you know, there's just... A standard phone is only... <laughs> We've had mobile phones very, very commonplace for over 20 years. And they're only getting to the point now where they're becoming, well, re- I guess the old ones were bulletproof, but once we hit the digital era, instead of the analog phones, it's only getting to the point now where they're becoming reasonable phones, decent reception, good call quality, you know, actually being a phone rather than just a device. Um, have you ever heard of the brand Kubot, C-U-B-O-T? Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know much about yeah. it. But I have well, I've, I've got one. I've got this one here. It's called the Kubot, and I've got the Kubot Power. <laughs> yeah. And and this is a great phone. I think I only paid no more than three hundred bucks for this phone. Yeah. All right. It's got six gigs of RAM, one hundred twenty-eight gigabyte uh, storage. It's got the quad-core processor. Um, I can't remember now what. So I think it's two point two or two point three quad-core processor. Um, the only thing I uh, it's got a six thousand milliamp battery. So it, this the battery in this thing lasts um, easy two days, no yep. problems. Um, the only thing I don't like about this phone is the the, the camera. Um, it says it's got a 16 megapixel Sony camera in it, and it probably has. Now I don't know whether it's software or what, but it doesn't give me crisp, clear photos. It's probably you can have a high megapixel, but if you've got a low, small like small image sensor, it's pointless. It's it's doing software rendering to make the difference up. Yeah, but even yeah. so, I bought it under the understanding that this phone had uh, the Samsung 16 megapixel camera that they use in their in their in their phones. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe they put a, a dud in, or it was a fake, or who knows what. Could but, be a bad lens. There's also a program you can use to get more out of your phone. Um, if you use, um, let's see if I can quickly find it. I think it's called. Is that open, the open camera? Open camera. Yeah, open camera. Let's yeah, I've it. used that. It does not, doesn't do much difference at all. It's the open camera does give you more features and more um, more things that you can adjust and, and play with. Yeah. But as far as the quality of the camera, yeah, look, it's it's nor here nor there. Um, I mean, it, it's possible. It's just the cameras, um, you know, like it, there's there's more than just the the camera that makes a camera. You know, there's the communications between the camera and the board. There's the lens quality. There's the the image sensor quality of the camera, there's the lens design, there's the actual software that's driving. There's so many steps yeah, in look, that process. You know. I agree with you 100%. And, yeah. and I think in this case, I think in this case, it could be something to do with the software that's running the camera. Because I've got uh, a, oh, I don't know where it is. I've got a, it's one of the cheap $60 candy bar phones I bought for work. But it's supposed to have an 8 mega, megapixel camera. And this is an old Nokia E63. The, right. This is a two megapixel camera, and the camera quality in this far surpasses that that other one that I bought that's only a couple of years old. So you know, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's because that's that's, the, that's a cheap phone. Um, yeah. I think I paid uh, somewhere somewhere between two fifty and three hundred. I can't quite remember. It was, it's already been over a year that I've had it. Yeah, and um, and that's the only thing I can fault it on. It doesn't doesn't slow down, doesn't freeze. Um, it doesn't do anything wrong other than the fact that the camera I don't feel is as sharp as it should be. And see, I mean. The Chinese manufacturers are killing it because you've got Xiaomi, which you know I'm a big fan of because I, I talk about them all the time. But you've got, you know, the the Xiaomi M8 Pro, which is a 12 month old phone now, but it's um, you know, does 3G and 4G, all that, 6.2 um, in screen, 128 gig ROM, um, 64 gig, uh, sorry, 8 gig RAM, 128 gig ROM. Um, it's got you know 12 megapixel, four axis op optical stabilized optical zoom, uh, you know 12 by optical zoom, lots of stuff. Camera, um, 20 megapixel front camera, which is interesting. Does 4K, 30 frame a second video, and it's a 300 dollar phone. You know, yeah, like, so that, that's that's a good price for that phone, you know, that sort of phone. I, I think it's a from memory. It doesn't say here, but I think it's a optical uh, oct octa-core. So it's an eight-core. Oh, here we go down here. Um, no, it doesn't say that. But yeah, that's an eight-core processor. It's you know, like for what they are, they're you know for three hundred bucks. What what more do you want? You know, that's you, right. When the battery dies, just go and get yourself another one. Well, the battery's replaceable anyway. But they're six, as you say, they're a six amp hour battery. Um, you know, so they last two or three days anyway. Uh, you know, so it's it's pretty insane what you can pick up, what the Chinese are doing these days. You know, the new Samsung, the what the the ten or whatever it is, the new one's coming out. It's oh, like the S twenty? Uh, no, not quite the, that one, but like the big was it the one that's like come out last year, whatever it was. But it's yeah, it's like a what twelve or fourteen hundred dollar phone, you know, and it realistically isn't any better or worse than that. Oh, you mean the S eleven or the S twelve? Something it? like that. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. my brother-in-law just bought one, and um, yeah, I mean, my, I've got a note. I've got a note four, you know, and there's nothing that my phone does that his does, you know, other than him, his being maybe slightly higher. But you can't on fixed without external heart storage. You can't record 4K video anyway because you only you can only record 12 minutes of it, and you, you storage is full. You know, so yeah, I think I was reading somewhere today it was 600 <coughs> megabytes a minute or something. Or, well, that's minimum, yeah, it can go up from there. 4K video can be, you know, 6,000, it can be, you know, 6,000 um, kilobits a minute. You know, it's not it's like streaming, even in 720K, you know, I st I'm streaming out at six, six kilobits a second, and that's only at 720, you know, so. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the big thing with phones these days, it's either the camera, uh, you make sure it's got at least minimum four gigs of RAM, um, your processor, dual core, try and get something that's above 2,000 megahertz, and then you should be fine for the yeah. couple of years anyway. I mean, it really depends on what you're using it for too. You know, like my mother-in-law literally uses her for Facebook and making phone calls. So I specifically got her an older phone that has a larger battery, you know, so for that exact reason, because she just doesn't do that much with it it doesn't need to be super powerful but the longer it lasts easier it is for her without having to plug it in so <coughs> you know yeah but, uh, the other drawback i mean i've got with this particular phone and i'm not sure if it's the same with the Xiaomi's. um 
It's, it's just that there has no had no firmware updates since I've had it. You know, I think I've got a firmware update when I first bought it, um, and then since then it had no other firmware updates. And I've kept looking every couple of months. I've been keeping on checking on the site, and although you Google stuff and all your apps and everything update, the actual firmware of the phone doesn't. So um, I'm a bit you know, pissed That's off about that. Not but that otherwise, unusual. I know when the what is it, the Hoppos or whatever it is. I know they got the same sort of thing. Like when they first came out, they didn't have. But Xiaomi was the same when they were a smaller company. Um, they released a phone, they didn't touch it, and they released a new phone, they didn't touch. You know, it was just one of those things. Um, I remember HTC back in the day. I had a I had one of the early HTCs, and I had that for two years. And just as I was about to trade it in, I got an update. You know, so uh, it's only seen, it's updates aren't super critical. Um, if your phone's working fine, you don't necessarily need to update it. There's not necessarily a reason to update. You know, that's true. I mean, I'm, uh, and I'm only hoping for the update so that maybe they, there's something that they can fix with the camera. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the well. other thing, the other thing with it is this one here. Um, there's a there's a slight fault when you take a screenshot. Um, if you take a second screenshot a few a minute or so later. You can see this. You can still see the superimposed up underneath. It doesn't take a clear screenshot. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a software issue. So, um, little that's the other little thing that's wrong with it. So, apart from those things, um, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. I mean, they might have rushed like in development. They might have got 99% completed, and then at the last minute had to change a chip on the board somewhere and didn't think about it properly. You know, like those smaller manufacturers that sort of stuff happens too they're under supply issues or whatever and they're like oh well you know we'll just change that no one will know yeah that's true yeah. I mean how many of those um, little cube spy cameras that are 1080p's you know like yeah no <laughs> yeah no so um, Google Nest this is relatively new it's, it hasn't been out that long um, and a lot of people you know I still use the Google Home stuff but the Nest is the newer I guess, integration into this. Um, they're forcing users into two-factor authentication. Um, users of Google Nest products will soon be forced into using two-factor authentication to access their devices. Google said starting in spring, uh, autumn, not for those not based in the Northern Hemisphere, all Nest users have uh, non-enrolled in the 2FA option or migrated to a Google account will be required to take extra step by verifying their identity via email. Uh, when a new login to your account is initiated, you receive an email from an account uh, with a six-digit pin. Blah, blah, blah. The code will be used to make sure it's trying to log in without you won't be able to do it. Now, this is all fine and dandy, and I've said this before about 2FA. It, it's great in theory. The biggest problem with 2FA is when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. Um, oh, what's the stupid button? Sorry, I'm <laughs> trying to do three things at once. Um, so if, for example, like... Um, you know, for whatever reason, you don't have access to, or the device resets, there's a factory reset, which can happen sometimes on an update, or it can just happen. I've had, I've had a couple of my uh, minis just randomly go, oh, I don't know who you are anymore. You've had to do a full reset on them. Um, and it's all fine and dandy when everything's working perfectly fine, but then all of a sudden, you know, you've given your, you know, you've given your mother a, a nest to teach you how to cook in the kitchen or whatever you've done and it's hooked up to your account and then it doesn't work and then she can't do anything and then you can't do anything because you can't explain to her how she got to enter the digit so you've got to you know so having 2FA as an option is good but forcing people to use 2FA 
is not necessarily a good thing. Does, does it give you any idea on, on education on like how often would you need to use the TFA? Uh, technically, it would be from a new location. Wow, my camera's freaking out tonight. Um, it would be from a new location. So that's the other thing that can happen if you're on a ISP who does the rolling um, rolling IP changes, which a lot of them do because they rent IP addresses rather than owning IP addresses. So they just get the next available block. So when you log off and while well, you're logged on with your router, it's fine. But if your router resets or your internet goes down and comes back up, you'll get a different IP address. Quite often, that's enough to trigger a two FA. Um, if you took it from one, it could even be depending on how they determine it's a new, um, it's a new logon. So it could even be something as simple as you've upgraded your router. It could be you've changed it from like in my case, I've got a router here and at the other end of the house everything runs off the wi-fi extender but technically it sees that as a different network which can be enough to trigger the thinking it's completely separate network therefore it's a new login uh it could be an update it could be the thing does it also do it when the um when it it uh, connects up other devices as well like if you want to connect a a lamp to it or a light uh no because that's that's internal that's happening on the internal side of it um, it's it's same as your phone. Like once you've unlocked your phone, you can basically do anything internally on the phone. You know, but as soon as it's the same sort of thing with 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 this. Like it would only affect um, it f- having basically seen it as a as a new login or a change of location. Um, and it depends how sensitive the change of location is. Like I have an issue quite often with Google because. Um, I log in at work and I log in at home. Now, work at home is actually not that far away. But because we're on a business plan at work, our internet's actually hosted up at the Sunshine Coast, which is, you know, a three or four hour drive away from where we are, whereas my home one is hosted just down the road. So it sees this, you know, 300k gap. Um, and if I have 2FA on, I literally, because I leave my computer on at home and it's always logged in, and it'll try to re-log in if something happens. So if I've got 2FA on, I literally have to, like, every half an hour, I'm entering a new code because it thinks I'm at a new location. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've actually turned, you know, login notification off because it was literally happening every 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> and it's just driving you batty. But it would be the same sort of thing. Like, if you've got, you know, as I said, you've got two different networks, could do it. Switching networks, um, you know, there's, there's a few reasons it'll trigger... Now, if you've got something set up, like a lot of people are, they're going towards home automation and stuff like that. Now, 2FA is kind of irrelevant anyway, because if you've got that sort of setup, you're going to have your internal network separate from your external network anyway. So all your devices are going to be behind, which you'll talk about later, but a router or something like that, which would probably have tomato or have another custom firmware on it that would allow you to specifically say, this device is an internal device. It's going to run through... A VPN and it's going to run through a firewall before you can access it remotely you know so if you're getting to that level of expertise to do that you don't need 2FA like that's what I'm saying having it for the average user is not going to be a problem like that's fine but don't force people to use it give people the option don't say you have to use this because we think you need it you say well look we recommend you use this and unless you really know what you're doing you probably should you know, so. is, there any, is there any indication that maybe for security 
features. Like if someone, you know, I mean, who's going to want to knock off a, 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 a you know, a device from your home and then start using it? You know, I guess, is there any like security well, reason I, for it? That's what I can't understand. The only thing it would be is if um, you would have access to, I know with the minis and that they, I can take a mini to a mate's place without doing anything and plug it in and I can still access because it's logged into my Google account I can get it to read my emails I can get it to go through my Spotify like there is a certain amount of things you can do and with a Nest it'd be more so because a Nest is a display um, so you could actually literally like have access to people's emails and all that sort of stuff so um, in that regard yes if somebody flogs it they could without 2, 2FA they could take it home and access your information um, so from that point of view, yes, it, it's definitely something that would be good. But once again, a, an experienced user is not going to use their daily email address. They're going to have an internal email address, you know, you know, Fred's, you know, Fred's home automation account at gmail.com or something is going to be their one that they use for all their stuff. So it's kind of going to be irrelevant anyway. That's right. Yeah. I, 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 know, I know what you mean. So, um, you know, as I said, look, it's, it's like... It's the whole thing with having firewalls and having antiviruses and having Windows updates and stuff like that. It's like, it's great for the majority of people. It's perfectly fine. But don't force me to update my Windows every week because I don't need it to. I don't need any more updates. The way the system is functioning now is exactly the way I want it to function. And with their last track record of the last couple of releases they've done, <laughs> um, I think I'd prefer it if they didn't update. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, you have another story. Um. Yeah, I've got a couple here. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll go with this one. Just, just a quick note to anyone who's listening that if you're running Tomato firmware on on your routers, uh, there is a um, a botnet out there called Mush Stick, um, and it targets routers that are running the. Um, the, the tomato firmware. Um, apparently, what it does is it attacks um, and exploits uh, the um, login credentials of your your router. And if you set everything to default, for example, your username and your password is still your default admin. Admin. Um, then what it ends up doing is that they end up logging into your router. Uh, they turn on the remote administration within the router, and then from there they then exploit the router by allowing it to act um, as a part of a botnet. Um, and it's all part of the mushstick botnet. Um, so this has been found out by researchers from um, Palo Alto Networks um, that said that uh, they've done some tests and they've found that the tomato firmware running on particular, in particular with uh, the broad Chrome chips. So that's... Um, something that you should look out for and uh yeah. but i mean how often do we see this look was it last year it was all the home security devices all the swan stuff that had uh that had same thing people didn't change the default login you know if you leave something exposed and it's not becoming as big of an issue as it has because most things now randomize at the very least they randomize the password and most routers is particularly they've got it written on the back but if you leave something that's a mass produced like tomato is generally an upgrade to a router most routers don't come with it it's something you put on so it's up to you to change the username and password it's like installing linux linux is incredibly secure but if you leave root 
with no password, which a lot of people do, it's not an incredibly secure operating system, you know. It's only as secure as you allow it to be. That's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're a user of Tomato Firmware, and um, just go in there and just change the username and password. And the experts are suggesting that even if it's um, password protected, by even if it's been changed, make a strong password as well, rather than just making a weak password. Don't make just any any sort of password. Make it a strong one. Yeah. Um, because at least that way it's harder for them to get in. That's right. I mean, uh, there are plenty of utilities out there for passwords. You can either use a program like LastPass to manage your stuff. I'm lazy. I use Chrome to manage my passwords, which in itself is a security flaw, but I don't care. But um, I noticed even Chrome now is when you sign up to a site, it actually will auto-generate a password for you if you want it to as well. So even most of the browsers now, that's a built-in feature, um, at least with as far as secure passwords go. Yeah, I wasn't, cool. I wasn't aware that Chrome actually offered no, a password. I, I mean, noticed I've, that... I've been using Chrome for a while, and I'm sure I use the uh, <clears throat> password remember, remember password on it, but I wasn't aware that it generated... Um, no, it's not something that I'd sort of um, taken any notice of. It was only the other day. Yeah, is, I was... it, is it a plug-in that you need to get no, or something? It's just now when you... Um, I'm just trying to find a, a website I haven't signed up to. <laughs> it's when you go to a new sign-up, it, um, from what I can tell, basically just goes, oh, you want to you wanna, um, have a username and password? I'll choose your username. And then once you choose your username, it goes, oh, I can do a make up a password for you. Um, and it gives you a 12 digit random um, random password which I thought was pretty cool so uh, it's only uh, it doesn't uh, I'd very rarely go to a website that I'm not signed up to that I'm going to sign up to so it's not something I've really noticed but yeah I noticed it a couple of days ago so I don't know if it's just a new thing or if it's just something I haven't noticed for ages um. yeah I, I started using LastPass and stuff like that and um, I don't know whether it was something that I was doing wrong or it was just how it is. But um, what I found when it came to using, because I think it, LastPass has also got the option to protect your apps as well in your phone. Yeah, so like what was happening was it you had to keep on inserting the original master password. Yeah. And I found that very annoying. And I said, oh, bugger that. I'm not using this anymore. Yeah, I think you can disable that. Yeah, but then it's um, not secure. No, you can disable it so that if the app's been open, you don't have to do it. So, like, if you're using the app and you're doing stuff, while ever the app's open, it doesn't ask you for that. But if you close the app and then you go to reopen it, it will. Yeah, so, I think also if you lock time. the phone or if you reboot the phone, it, it yeah. still comes up as well. Yeah. But so, I, mean, I found that annoying, so I didn't bother with it yeah, anymore. I, I don't know why. You, if your phone's locked, I don't know why you would worry about locking each individual application that doesn't like no, it wasn't it wasn't locking it it's just that if you close an, uh, an app down and then you wanted to reopen it uh, normally you know the app's got a um a password that you know to log in and so it, it just normally logs you in but what i was finding was happening was that rather than just logging in it was kept asking me every now and then to put the master password in and i found that very oh, annoying okay. yeah. yeah it's all part of the security thing i don't know i i, I haven't used it for a long time um I used to use it, but then I just got lazy and discovered Chrome does everything for me. <laughs> I just deal with that now. 
Uh, yeah. You know, my, my passwords are so secure that they're stored on a plain text file document. So it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not like it's hard to, you know. You can, you know, if someone wants my identity, they're welcome to it. They can have all the debt that goes with it. It's, that's fine. doesn't worry me in the slightest. <laughs> what are they going to do, you know? And they take over your identity. And? I don't, <laughs> it's not mainly good. It causes all, all sorts of grief. <laughs> like what? What's the worst thing can happen? Okay, if you're a celebrity or you're a high-profile person, yes, absolutely, damage can be caused. If you're Joe Blow, you've got a crap credit rating, nobody wants to touch you anyway, and you haven't got any influence over anything, you can't do anything. Well, what if what if they take over your passwords, they get into your passwords, and then they get access to your bank accounts, they get access to your online um, emails and other accounts that you have, they go in and they change passwords, they change logins, and they lock you out of everything. Then what? I got no money in my bank accounts anyway. It doesn't worry <laughs> me. <laughs> but you get my drift, don't you? That's yeah. what I'm saying. If you've got something worth protecting, yes. Yeah. But the, the the flip side of that, if you've got something worth protecting, you're the people they're going to go after. The the hackers don't just randomly hack Joe Blow, who's not worth anything. They don't. It's just not something that happens. That's right. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. You know, it's. <laughs> It's you, you have to have some worth to them to make it worth their time and effort to do that. Even yeah. if it's as much as getting a fake ID, there's no point giving somebody a fake ID of somebody who doesn't have anything because you can't do anything with that fake ID. Yeah, and also, yeah. just as it's come to mind now, I just want to let the listeners know that just be careful with your text messages. I've been getting this spam text message yeah. over the last few days, and it was from Australia Post. Yep. And um, what it said was that um, your package... Uh, is not going to be delivered unless you pay a two dollar fee. Yeah. Now I was I have been expecting a package to come, and and it hadn't arrived yet. And it's been like a week or two overdue, and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe the sender didn't pay enough money, and I have to pay. Rather than click on it and say, okay, I'll pay the two dollars, send me the package. I actually went down to the post office, and um, I said to them, look, this is the number, blah 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 blah. Oh no no that that's a spam! Don't go don't go clicking on that and paying two dollars. If at any time uh, the sender doesn't pay the correct uh, postage fee, we will still receive the item, and then we will mail it to you or phone you, um, and we will ask you to come in and get it, and then you can pay us. But at no time don't go pay anything online. They're just going to take your credit card details. So just be aware of that little scam. Yeah. And there's another one. If you want to find them too, you can go to the Australia Post website. If you go to the, um, you go to the Ozpost, um, dot com dot au, and then you go in there and search for um, scams. It'll actually bring up their website, and it's got a list of all the scams that people are doing. And I've actually got this one, which is the um, the urgent message: parcel cannot be shipped to the distribution center because of unverified address. Yeah, that's the one I got. Yeah. Yeah. So if that what that one does is when you go in, and you um, and you go into there. You, it gets you to enter your name and address and contact number into the form. Um, and then it says, what hours are you most likely at home? So the most people are going to put, you know, after five and before eight or whatever. So they know that during the day, no one's at home. So they'll come and rob your purse. It's effectively what that's for. Oh, really? Okay. No, I didn't go in that far. So it's good that um, you brought that up. I wasn't aware of that. <clears throat> but yeah, you can go there and check out all the, the scams. There's, there's been a couple of other ones happening this year. There's the... Um, there's the another one saying waiting to be delivered. Click here, um, and what it does is it works on 
passes where you have a um, tracking number and they get you to enter the tracking number. So then they get a record of your tracking number. Then they go in and they use the tracking number. And once you've got that, you can change the times and dates and destinations quite often of, you know, you can say, if no one's home, please leave in the letterbox or whatever. And what they'll do is they wait for the post to come and do that. And then once they drop it off the letterbox, they'll just walk up and take it out. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, just be, just be, anything that's, it's the same with, um, when you get calls from, from centers, it's usually very easy to tell because when you pick up the phone to say hello, there's usually a four or five second delay before they answer. There's two reasons for that. One is they're usually on a VPN, so they're from overseas somewhere and there's just lag in the system. The other reason is quite often there's, they do a bulk cut dial. So they dial a hundred numbers at once and then they'll, they'll answer them in order that the people have answered the phone. They don't generally expect people to answer the phone very quickly. So if you happen to answer within a, a ring or two, quite often there's a delay while they scramble for somebody to take the call. So generally if there's a one or two second delay when you say hello and you don't hear anything, just hang up and then on Android phones at least you can go in, um, you can go into um, your call history of the numbers you've seen and then you click on the number um, it's a bit hard to do backwards. So you click on the number, and there's the three. Where's my camera? There's the up the top. There's the dots. Um, where it's, oh, sorry, you go into details, and then up the top there's the three dots next to your share up there. Um, you click on that, and then you can say block number. Uh, if you click on that, it'll come up and say block number, and you can block that number, and so they can't call back from that number again. So it's always good if you when they're smart enough to ring with an actual phone number. Yeah, no, that's a good idea, though. <coughs> um, okay, so quickly, another story. Speaking of browsers and whatever, uh, Microsoft Firefox um, has just released their new update, which does a few things. They've actually up updated um, about the same time as Thunderbird this time, but it does a few things. Um, it mainly fixes... Uh, some memory safety bugs that were in there, um, which not we're not talking like memory leaks and stuff like that. We're actually talking about, um, I guess they used to be called TSRs, Terminate Stay Resident, the equivalent of that in a browser, which basically leaves your browser uh, open to remote attacks um, by shutting certain parts of a website down and all just leaving that like a portal that they can get in through. So new, they've fixed... Um, Seven, was it uh, 72 vulnerabilities and patches were added to this one so it's been a pretty heavy update um, and I, I'm actually quite a fan of Firefox I use it a lot and with Thunderbird especially now given that they uh, <laughs> the last Thunderbird update wow that broke a lot of stuff they really made a hash of it they, they, they fixed it and re-released it very quickly but in the 6 or 8 hours where the the previous update was out there. It was made a hash of it. None of the, um, like if you had customized um, addresses and with custom colors and stuff like that, and all your folders would, were customized. All that customization went away. All the default fonts were applied. Like it was horrible there for a while trying to scroll through oh, wow. yeah. 25 different email addresses and 400 folders and they all looked exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're using the, um, the Thunderbird system are you thunderbird. i've i've always used thunderbird i've used thunderbird for uh since like 90 
seven ninety eight. Um, Thunderbird's always been, and up until several years ago, Firefox was my default browser because I'm made by the same company. <coughs> uh, and yeah, I basically just use them. Uh, it's only been recently, in the last few years, I've switched over to Chrome. Um, and the main reason I did that is because it integrates with Google, whereas Thunderbird, uh, Firefox, you've got to have a Firefox account, which is no big deal. It, it still all works perfectly fine. It's just one extra account you've got to have. And that's literally the only reason I don't use it anymore. Um, I use it at work. I've got four browsers I use at work. So I use standard Chrome. I use Canary. I use Opera. And I use um, Firefox. And all of those have separate accounts for work. So one's mine. One's one of our branches. One's another one's branch. And one's another one. So I literally have four separate... Instead of having to log in and log out all the time, and change, I literally have four separate browsers, four separate accounts, four separate databases, basically. So the cool part about Thunderbird is it integrates all those into one thing. So I've got one Thunderbird with 25 email addresses or something integrated into oh, it. That's, that's heaps. And each, one of, each one of those has got a couple of dozen subfolders, and then under those subfolders, there's subfolders, you know. And Thunderbird integrates really, really well. Like, it loves it. Like, the more you throw at it and the harder you make it work, the better it performs. Um, and, yeah, so I, I'm quite a fan of it. I, I quite I quite like using it. Um, and it still does all this. It does everything uh, Outlook does, except it's free. It's faster. It's lighter weight. Um, and backing up and restoring it is so much easier. Um and it's just reliable. It, it, I don't think I've ever had a Thunderbird crash in however long I've been using it, 25 years or 20 years or whatever it is. But Thun Thunderbird doesn't have a phone app, does it? Because um, I, I remember looking into it last year at some point and I, um, I, I'd looked at it and I started using Thunderbird, but then when I was not on the computer, um, I would have had to log in via a standard um, web page rather than using an app and um which is not great when you got a heap of emails yeah so um I, I had to go back to to google and you start using that and just added the ad addresses in there because that just works so much better and, and the interface was just so much nicer to use uh i don't know because i generally try and leave my work at work so i've never actually looked at yeah this. yeah I, I think the thing with that is that it doesn't have a proper app for it and uh, i'm not sure whether they're developing one now or not but that's one of the bad things about it. Yeah, I, it is a good. It is a good um, software for for, for email. It is. You're right. I know that there's a Thunderbird add-on for Firefox. Whether or not that translates across into the mobile version, I don't know. Because there's a mobile version of Firefox. Yeah. The other the other way to get around it, and some people oh. use it. Um, I used it for a short period of time, and I still do use it for some email addresses. And it's called Blue Mail. Yeah. That that normally works pretty good too. Um, I actually just ha I uh, I quite often um, use remote access software and log into my system remotely because there's off often several things I need to do. If I need to do something, it's usually not one thing; it's usually several things. So I'll just log in remotely, do it that way, and be done with it. Um, I've never specifically like we use a lot of online apps, which I guess probably do have mobile apps, but because I need to do for some of our workflow, I need to literally use four separate what would be apps which i guess on the computer is easy because you can just switch between them whereas if i was doing it on the phone it would actually be quite a painful operation to open that one 
input the information, close it so that it updates, so that it sends it to the other app so I can open that, then close that so it updates and pushes the information to the other app. You know what I mean? So sometimes yeah. I think it's easier just to remote remote in and be done with it. Even on a small screen these days with the way remote access is set up, it's perfectly manageable to manage a four-display a four PC on a small screen. So... <clears throat> Uh, you got anything else there? Okay, well, I've got this um, gadget of the week, which is a uh, an interesting one here. And uh, would you ever use uh, a smart device on your Weber barbecue? Like, would you ever thought that they would have had a smart device for your Weber barbecue? The only one I know about is the uh, there's a temperature probe that tells you when your meat's cooked. That's the only thing I'm aware of. Yeah, well, this one here's an update from that. Um, they call it the uh, Smart Grilling Hub. And what it does, it connects um, to um, the ports of the wires, uh, which are like thermometers on them. Yep. And they monitor the temperature of the meat um, or anything else that you're cooking on the barbie, actually. So it comes with four probes. Um, and you can monitor each one individually. Uh, then what it does is it uh, alerts you with a with some sort of uh, notification when the meat reaches proper temperature. It also gives you the option to uh, alert you whether you want to need uh, to flip the food over. So if you're cooking a steak and you want to flip it over. So yeah, that's that's the gadget of the week. I would say it's probably a good little device. It's what it's a hundred and twenty nine. 99 US dollars. US, yeah, it's so coming out. 200 bucks. Yeah, 129, yeah, yeah. 99. So it's coming out uh, early 2020, they reckon. And um, they reckon later on in the year they're going to support Alexa. So you can tell you can speak to Alexa and tell it to see how long before the Barbie is ready. Um, yeah, I reckon that's a good little device. Yeah, well, I know that there's... Um... There's a guy, I, was, I, I uh, get a magazine called Diode, D-I-Y-O-D-E, um, and it's um, all projects, and most of it's Arduino-based, most of the stuff on there you can do with Arduinos, and there's a guy on there who's making an all-in-one grill, like it literally, you, on the app, tell it what you're cooking, and it literally cooks it, like, the once you've put everything onto the grill plate, you put another one on top of it, you sandwich everything in there, and then it will literally time, like, it will like it even weighs, like, the plates, because it's on, like, a rotisserie thing, it knows exactly how much weight there is. They can weigh it every time you add a piece of steak, so it knows how heavy everything is. That's really cool. It'll actually flip it when it's due to be flipped. It'll turn the heat up and down depending on what it needs to do. Like, it literally does, like, all this stuff. It's all made with an Arduino. It's all DIY stuff. It's very, very simple, actually. You look at the, the way it's made, and it's quite simple. But, uh, yeah, it, it literally does everything for you. So you, <laughs> you, you you go there, you put the meat on the barbecue, you turn around, have a couple of beers, you come back, and they're all done. You put them on the plate, you go, look what I cooked. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the Arduino and the Raspberry Pi and, you know, all that sort of... Speaking of Raspberry Pis, I still have my original, original Raspberry Pi, the, the very first one that was released. So have I. <laughs> I thought that was sort of tape of mine because I had it in the back of the TV and I was using it as a media center. That's what I was using this for. 
Um, no, it's still there somewhere. I've yeah. got to, um, it's got three little heat sinks and a fan on mine. Uh, yeah, my fan's I put not working. Heat sinks on mine as so well. I need to actually replace my fan because it's it's uh, it's overheating at the moment. But uh, yeah, that's still the original pie. But I've got Arduinos. Well, can you do much with those these days? Yeah, you can actually still. My um, I run uh, a program called Octopi, um, and it runs my three D printer. Um, oh, okay. So I've got one of these, and I've got a Raspberry Pi Zero W. I'm not sure where it's gone, but it. So I've got one that runs my 3D printer, and I've got one that runs my um, mini CNC router laser cutter. So you don't yeah, have for to, stuff like that. It'd be really good. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. So you don't have to constantly have power. the computer on all the time just to to do a 3D print. You know, and you can monitor it from anywhere in the world. You can watch the webcam. You know, it's, they're great. But um, you know that stuff has changed the way that we look at technology like all the internet of things but it, it's so true like with a, a raspberry pi and an old this and an old that and a couple of these you can make just about anything do something these days you know that's right you can it's, yeah it's so amazing what you can do i actually use the samsung smart things um hub. <clears throat> yeah yep um with the 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 one i have is the aussie version you've got to be careful if you're going to buy one of those yeah because um the aussies have a different um frequencies to the rest of the world and the devices that you buy here uh, uh, according to the standards uh, are, are slightly different You're to the frequency the, uh, the 3g 4g frequencies yeah i'm talking yeah. mainly when it comes to um zigbee and uh and the um what's the other one something where something where um yeah the zigbee and the other one there's something other some other um protocol that it uses so it's got it's got wi-fi built into it yeah. it's got the zigbee built into it it's got mware or somewhere something like that zedware Z, zedware Z, something like that yeah so it's got all the three different uh, protocols so you can run any sort of I iot device on that you're talking uh zedwave zedwave that's the yeah. one i'm looking for yeah zedwave and zigbee i mean they <laughs> two standards that do exactly the same thing <laughs> uh, yeah they, they do kind of um, annoys me when they do that it's like just m refine one and make one work properly don't worry about having two or three that almost do the same thing so they know. do that's right so um i i bought i bought that particular one um and there's only one mob that sells it apparently at the moment it's a, it's a mob in melbourne and believe it or not, it's a um, an insurance company. I can't think of the name now, what it was called now, but it was just some sort of insurance company that sells it down in Melbourne. There's no like other supplier that I know of. There's a company starting up, uh, well, according to their Facebook page, they're starting up in Brisbane soon, and all they do is Internet of Things devices. They do everything Internet of Things. So everything from your Arduinos, your Pies, your light bulbs, your relay, you know, Jcar does some stuff, and you know JB Hi-Fi does some stuff, and you can get some stuff on Kogan. You know what I mean? Like at the moment, to get anything, it's a mishmash of you know everything. Um, but uh, yeah, this is currently starting up. I've got. An, I'm trying to find the email I got from. I can't find it at the moment. But when they're not starting up yet, they're they're still a couple of months away. But once they actually get up and running, it's going to be great to have access to a, a physical location. Um, they're still selling Chinese stuff, you know, it, nothing different there. The only difference is they're buying it directly from the manufacturer. So they're getting it bulk pricing directly from the manufacturer. They're offering a warranty, you know, all that stuff. 
Um, so it's going to be good to be able to go, hey, I need something that'll do this. Say a, a classic example at the moment on one of the Android uh, Arduino projects I'm working on. Um, I'm trying to find a SIM card uh, compatible device that will work on an Australian network, and it's you, you know what? impossible. You might want to give them. <laughs> you might want to have a look at this place. This is some um, one that I found a while back, and it does just what you said. It's got all these different IoT stuff. It's called the iot-store.com.au. I think they're in Perth, aren't they? Right, they're in WA. They're yeah. in Western Australia. That's who I've been um, using. And um, it's got all sorts of stuff, all different bits and pieces, IoT sensors. Yeah. Um, actuators, they've got CPUs, um, robotic hardware. Um, they also use the um, different type of specs of um, you know, scientific stuff. It's a really good store. If you're into the IoT um, and you want to get some bits and pieces <laughs> that are, that are specialised, mm. you, you, you have a look here. They've and got all prices, sorts of stuff. prices are pretty good. You, know, you might get them a few bucks cheaper online, but they're coming from Australia. I get stuff usually. If I order something Monday, I generally get it Wednesday. If I order it Wednesday, more often than not, I'll get it Friday or I'll get it very first thing Monday. Um, I get a lot of stuff off, off off them. I've actually been using them for quite a while. But yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's actually these guys who are opening a store in Brisbane. So yeah, but yeah, so, uh, yeah but I'm just flicking through their website now. They've got a lot of wireless stuff. They've got a lot of cellular stuff um, on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they're they're, they're good. Um, I got as I said, like I had a hell of a time finding a, a dongle, a three G, four G dongle that would work in Australia because they just didn't have the frequencies. And these guys actually hadn't finally found one after trying a couple others. Um, it cost a bit more instead of costing like, you know, I was getting other ones for like seven dollars, but they just weren't working. And this one was like, oh uh, look, it might cost it you a few more it. dollars, but the service that you get. I mean, <clears throat> I've written to them a couple of times. And uh, they get back to you fairly quickly. And uh, it sounds like the people that uh, are there do know their stuff. Well, that's you know? the other thing too. They actually know what they're selling rather than just having a, a eBay page full of just random eclectic stuff that they that, found. That's exactly right. And, you know, you need <laughs> tips or advice on what to do and what to, what goes with what and what would work with what. Um, yep. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, always, uh, I'm always supportive of, of small Australian businesses. I find look, having – I don't actually own one, but I do manage and run one. And knowing just how much issues I have, and I'm not even 100% owning one, as much as possible, you know, if they're a decent business, they look after their customers and try their best, I'll always support them. You know, that's, that's just, it's just that simple, you know. So, um, but yeah, uh, anyway, I think we're probably just about done. Uh, have you got any other stories? Look, the only other story I have, it, and, and this has just, just come out in the last few hours, is that um, the Mobile World Congress has been caught off um, in yeah, Barcelona due to the uh, coronavirus concerns. Apparently, uh, this year, the, uh, the, the show won't go ahead. Um, the companies like Facebook, Amazon, LG, Intel, Ericsson, Vivo, ZTE, Sony, uh, HMD, and Volvo all dropped out uh, from the event. Um, they thought it was going to be too much of a risk for their staff and 
for all people concerned within the um, the event. So uh, John Hoffman, who's the CEO of the organisation, uh, the GSMA, said that uh, due to uh, regards to the safe and healthy environment in Barcelona and for the host of the country itself, that uh, this year, the 2020 um, show will be cancelled. Yeah, I mean, and that's not just that. There's a lot of stuff happening. Like, to, uh, just quickly before we go, just to give you an example, um, we obviously, you know, as I work, as everyone knows who listens for a while, I work for a battery shop, and let's face it, eighty percent of batteries manufactured come out of China, or at least by Chinese-run company. A lot of them may come out of Thailand and Philippines and stuff like that, but the companies are actually Chinese-run. And at the moment, that basically China is just deserted. There's there's nobody doing anything. There's nobody taking orders. There's nobody working in factories. Containers aren't getting loaded. Containers aren't getting shipped. Things aren't even getting returned. Um, there's going to be a big shortage on a lot of items that we've forgotten how to make in this country. We ourselves have enough batteries of our biggest selling stuff until the end of the month. Um, and then we're going to be in a lot of trouble with most of our supply lines. Um, there's some that come from America and there's some that come from India, but 90% of the industry is China-based. Um, I don't think people realize the follow-on effect that in the next couple of months, even if they went back to work tomorrow, which they're not going to, it's going to be at least another six or eight weeks. But even if they went back to work tomorrow, there's still going to be a three-month lag time. By the time everyone gets back up to operating again, people figure out where they left off and things start happening. Containers that have been sitting on the docks may have to come back because their shipping permits have expired. You know, there's all this stuff that's that's now this big follow-on effect. So for the next at least three months, if not potentially six months, there's going to be major disruptions to anything coming in and out of effectively every country, but predominantly um, China. Anything, not just China, anything that China owns is going to be affected. So we're going to have massive supply shortages of all sorts of stuff. Just yeah, especially spare reason. parts and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. And even warranties. Like, there's some stuff we have sent back, but it's sitting on the dock. We, we can't even send stuff back to China at the moment because there's nobody there to receive it. Um, and so we can't even honor warranties and we can't even get stock replacement and stuff for warranty stuff because there's nobody handling that sort of stuff anymore. You know, so it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of months. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 pretty much all I have for this evening. So um, yeah, I just wanted to get that point out, just to the listeners, just so that they know that if they're going to be buying stuff from China, you might have to wait a little bit for, before you get it. Yeah, if if they even a lot of them aren't even selling now. There's a lot of eBay stores and stuff I've noticed that saying you know we're not even selling products for the next eight weeks and. You know, stuff like that. Be wary of the ones that are saying, um, that are coming from China, that are saying, you know, express freight and stuff like that, because that could mean they're potentially bypassing some of the safeguards that are in place. Um, and also, I've noticed a massive drop in Australian sellers that were drop shipping from China, but they're drop shipping, you know, air freight, so it was only taking three or four days from China. But the number of the fake Australian sellers has really dropped off in the last week as well. They've obviously all run out of stock and <laughs> they're not selling anymore either. So yeah, That's right, yeah. 
Alrighty. Well, we'll call it there. It's been a fun night. Thank you for joining me, Joe, and I uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, I did. It was very good. Thanks for that. So we'll have to try and mix it up a bit more, a bit more often, and uh, cross modulate some of the hosts. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. No worries. I enjoyed yeah. it. Thank you. Jordan was going to be with us tonight, but he got called away at the last minute. So uh, we'll tee that up again for maybe next week, depending on when uh, Jace gets back. But just to let everyone know, if you haven't, uh, you can check out Glenn. Put a post up on Facebook like two days ago, I think, just to show you what he's dealing with at the moment in terms of his. Uh, his setup and why he's still not uh, not coming back yet. However, thanks to everybody who did write in and did message us and did email us and leave comments and all that sort of stuff, saying how much you appreciated what we do. Uh, there wasn't a lot of people who did it, but basically everything we got feedback was positive and we're very happy about that. So it's sort of given us an incentive to carry on. And um, I think that's about it. And we shall call it a night and do it all again next week. No worries. See you later. Uh, thanks, guys. Bye.